Guys, we have a special one set up today, one-on-one with Representative Dan Crenshaw. Welcome back. Thank You've you. been with us before. Um, election is coming up, and we just wanted to chat before we went in and want to hear everything that you're doing and everything that you're trying to do for Houston uh, the second go-around. Well, there is an election coming up. Always good to be with you, JT. Uh, it's been exciting working with you on uh, a number of projects. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, there is an election coming up. Uh, it's a contentious one. Uh, it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's consequential, too. I, everybody says that every election. Uh, you've heard it uh, from, if you, know, if you follow politics, every time somebody gets on the stump, they're like, this is the election that matters. Everything changes with this one. Uh, but, I, but I think there's a rational argument to be made that this one is pretty consequential. Just because on paper, the policy differences are so extreme. Mm-hmm. They've never been that extreme before. And, and, and that's not because Republicans have gotten more extreme. I'm just going to, I'm biased, of course, I'm a Republican. Yeah. But uh, I think that's objectively true. We, we do not have policies that are any different than we did 10, 20, 30 years ago. So the Democrats have wildly different policies than they did even five years ago. Uh, this is not the party of Barack Obama. This is the... Uh, they seem to change themselves quite a bit. It's almost like they are arguing with themselves, too. They, they are, and there's, there's that battle um, <laughs> with, with, with on the left. And um, it, this is the nature of progressivism. This is what I, what I explain to people. Like, the nature of progressivism is constant progress. Now, you can argue whether it's really progress or not, but it is constant change. And like, that's kind of their point, right? They're always trying to change. And they, they in order to outdo their last self, or right, their last election, going. you've got to keep building on it. They've, they've got to keep promising yet another thing. And if they're going to compete against each other in primaries, they have to out-promise each other. You know, so th- this is how well-intentioned, compassionate liberalism, uh, which I think there's good space for in politics, that's how that turns into authoritarian socialism. Because in order to promise more and more and more and more, you need more control. You need more people's. You need to more money. You need more money, right? You need to tax people more. This builds upon itself. This is this is how this is how you've actually gotten to a presidential election where one of the main campaign promises of of a presidential candidate is to raise your taxes. That's a, that's an <laughs> that's an incredible thing, right? And I, I you know, I I, I am flabbergasted by it. Like I, maybe maybe voters don't believe that they're going to do it. Uh, maybe, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they truly believe like, well, no, they're only raising it on the rich. This isn't true, though. Tax policy assessments and, and experts have looked at this and said, you do this policy, everybody's real wages go down. I mean, across the board, because it's not just it's not just personal income taxes that gets raised. You know, it's um, I don't think people see that, things. though. I don't think they understand that uh, no, because and here's a point I want to bring up is you would think like we're in we're in the year 2020. We have fiber Internet all over the country, like we are the most connected Mm -hmm. uh, population that has ever existed. Like you you start thinking back to like the early 19th century. How did you campaign then? I mean, you were on a horse Mm -hmm. rolling around with leaflets and and things that you had to crank a printing press to do. And you had to talk to small groups of people and hope that they, I mean, you're definitely not a president. Presidential campaign isn't getting all the way to California. Right you know, back then and getting back in time. So it's like, how do you now when we're the most connected yet we're the most disconnected because no one actually listens to policy. 
No. It's no. Um, we noticed that. And it's also, even if they do, it's not clear that people are even voting based on policy platforms. You know, Trump wins on the issues 49% to 46% against Biden. Um, 56% of people polled say they're better off than they were four years ago. So it's really not about the issues for most voters. Uh, they just, they just don't like Trump. Okay. Yeah. And then they, and then there's a, a, a quick connection between that and, and everybody down ballot. And so and we do see some but, split tickets, but uh, here's just one. And maybe you can shed educated light on this. I see a lot of my left leaning friends being from the Pacific Northwest. They blame the president for everything that happened with the virus. Mm-hmm. Yet the president let the states decide what they wanted to do with yeah. it. So where, how does this work? How is it? Hey, you let, yeah. you let the states decide how, how to handle this, but no, it's your fault. There's no good explanation for that. You hear that across the board. So, you know, they, they operate in a very collectivist fashion. So one talking point spreads like wildfire and it becomes truth. Right, it's all his fault. Well, how is it his fault? Because he didn't control it. How would he control it? Well, he would. Uh, well, you he know, tried. He it. tried to stop flights coming in from China, right, which, and then he was called a xenophobe. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> when, when when you when you question people on this, and they're like, "Well, what would you do differently then?" Yeah. You know, they don't they don't, an they don't have an answer. No, not I mean, at all. Well, we would have gotten more testing. How would you get more testing? Like, do, do you think Trump just had this? There was like two options, right? Magic that they testing gave them. Yeah. Here's the testing button. If you press this button, you get more tests and everybody gets one. If you don't press the button, then you don't get more tests. And Trump is just like, I don't want to press the button. I mean, is that no, really what you that's think what happened? I mean. there's, no, <laughs> there's no reality to it. And that's what I question. I'm like, your governor was in charge of your yeah. area. Isn't that what you wanted? Yeah. You voted for your governor. Do, do you want more lockdowns? Yeah. Do you want, you know, do you want, us to, do you want us to take your property if you refuse to wear a mask? Meaning he wants to fine you. He wants to put you in jail. Now, how much of your freedom do you want me to infringe upon as your government? Right. That, that's the real question. And it, it's been very perplexing to me to see how many Americans like really, really want more of their freedom. This is the first upon. time we've ever quarantined healthy people. Yeah. I mean, we're quarantining <laughs> healthy people. And, and you know, I, I understand that, that, that rush to fear at first when we didn't really know what we we're dealing with. And when then there was an honest need to, Flatten the curve just enough so that our hospitals weren't overwhelmed. That's some rational, that's a yes. rational policy goal. It quickly devolved into irrational thinking. And now we know in hindsight, because there's plenty of studies that would demonstrate this. You, you can, you can do simple comparative analysis to demonstrate this, but lockdowns do, are not effective, right? They're, they're, they're not effective the way we thought they were. They, they impose enormous costs of very little benefit. The spread happens as the spread happens whether you're having universal extended lockdown or not. And you don't want proof. California, Texas are pretty good comparisons. Um, our spikes happened at the same time post uh, Memorial Day after the large scale riots. And, you know, you can say some holiday gatherings and things like that. And our trends look basically the same. Uh, and yet California unemployment rates almost double what it is in Texas because it's they impose those extensive yeah. lockdowns. And yeah, well, that's where I thought the mistake was to begin with, was rather than put out a blanket precaution saying, if you abide by X, Y, and Z, you're allowed mm-hmm. to stay open. Right. Rather than saying, no, 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 they can stay open and abide by X, Y, and Z, but you just have to be closed forever. Right. That doesn't make sense. And do you think a lot of governors are going to be being sued uh, into the they, Supreme Court for this as they, being unconstitutional? Yeah. 
I mean, they should be. I, I, I do think it's unconstitutional. I mean, it, we can quibble over, over that all day long. But in any case, they shouldn't win re-election. You know, the American people need to understand that this was ill-thought-out policy. Like the New Jersey governor continues to find, like I know a friend of ours named Ian that has a gym that has maintained all the strict guidelines for any business that's open. They've had zero cases come out of the gym, yet they're facing over $400,000 in fines from the governor. Wow. Like, do they want to just drive business out of their state? This doesn't make sense. It's incredible. It's spiteful. It's hateful. And um, and again, the, the, the most concerning thing to me is that I do not see the American people even realizing it. That's actually the most concerning thing to me. I think the people watching this show are, you know, probably do realize it. Yeah. Uh, but if you just look at the polling and you look at where people are at and who they blame for this, for the consequences of this virus and where they, and how they still feel about lockdowns and, and these things, uh, they're not holding these Democrat governors well, accountable. We, they, we don't control the messaging. That's no, we controlled don't. by the other side. Right. You know, but even then it's like, you know, you got to see what's right in front of you at a certain point. You would hope. Yeah, you would you would think so. And so we just got to keep beating the drum. I mean, the, the data is in at this point. You know, this this is bad policy making. It really and it gets to this um this broader notion on policy. If you want to understand how the left and the right think, this is a good way to frame it. Um, the, the left is about compassion, right? We can never out compassion them on rhetoric, at, at least. And they, they, they tend to sell it this way. They tend to sell their radical policies because they say, well, we are for the boldest, most radical policy because we care the most. Like, we care the most. And if you don't agree with us, then you just don't care. You don't care enough. You're not as caring as we are. That's pretty clearly the case with lockdowns. It's how they sold lockdowns to people. We're trying to save your life because we care about you. It's all about caring. That's why we don't want you to have any freedom. That's why we want to shelter in place. That's why we don't want your business to ever open up again. Um, the Republicans, all they care about is the stock market, right? So no, we, we care about trade-offs. We, we care about balance. So being a Republican is really about understanding the nature of trade-offs when it comes to policymaking, that there are no really true costless solutions. There's just trade-offs. And a responsible adult goes into government and says, we're going to have a responsible conversation about the trade-offs. That's how we should have had this conversation about coronavirus and the lockdowns. That's just not what we did. What, yeah, what can we do? Like, it, it, yeah, it's crazy. I still can't believe, like, I believe firmly, like, I don't think we're ever going to see an end. Like, there's not going to be a day where it goes on the news, hey, no more masks. I think it's going to be forgotten about, and then it's going to trickle for like a year mm-hmm. where people are going to be like, wait, do we still do this? But I haven't heard anything. Like, because if they come out and say, we're not wearing masks anymore, then they're admitting, hey, we just made this up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've never been really against masks because it's costless, right? It doesn't cost us anything to to wear the mask. But I, but I don't pretend that it's the send-all, be-all either. You know, some countries don't mandate it at all. European well, countries don't. it's over don't. in Australia. It's yeah. over mostly in Europe. Like, travel is lifted mostly in Europe. Right. I've, never, I've had some friends the, that have been the, traveling the, all over the, Europe. The need to shame it to the extent that yeah. the left does is, is hyper unnecessary. And, and, and to the right, and, and on the right, you know, like the, the anti-mask movement's a little bit over the top as well. You know, I, I kind of fall just in the middle on there. I mean, you know, wear, wear a mask, um, you know, it makes you feel better. It prevents you from sneezing directly on somebody. Okay, I can see some benefit in that. Um, but you know, what's, what I've really fought hard against is, is the lockdowns. You, you do not have the right 
to infringe on people's freedoms to that extent. People do have a right to engage in risk the way they see fit. It's government's job to provide those guidelines, to provide that knowledge and education and data and statistics and and let the people make decisions for themselves. Well, Governor Abbott has lifted them, correct? Like like he said, everything yeah. can open now with guidelines. Yeah, yeah, with guidelines. You know, bars was, was this recent reopening. The bars have been hit really hard. Um, most a lot of them have, closed. A lot of them closed. A lot, a lot figured out how to sell food so they could yeah. basically act like a restaurant, which I think is perfectly fine. Um, but he still left it up to county judges. And our county judge here is, you know, she's in her 20s. Um, I about this. Yeah, yeah, she's, you know, she's never really, she's never been in government before, got elected here because of straight ticket voting. And um, is engages hyperbolically in this, in this, in this sort of rhetoric, which, which because again, I think it's camera time. I think some of these people want the camera time. So it's like, oh, how can I? I, I how think can I push they, they want to persuade you that they yeah. care the most. They want to <laughs> persuade you that they care the most. And that's what they want. They want your vote. They want your support because they want to convince you they care the most. And the only way to convince you of that in their minds is to, is to try to impose the most radical draconian policies. This isn't smart, though. This isn't balanced. And we shouldn't be rewarding it. Uh, that's what again. What concerns me the most is that they're being rewarded for it. It's it's, it's, it's not good, and so you know, and so they they still have not lifted um, the sanctions on bars here in the Houston area. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. because it, it is it is up to the, the governor left it up to the counties to do it. Wow. And uh, here we go with that, yeah. with no end in sight, though. Right. There's, right. It's, I mean, yeah. is this going on? And there's no numbers? standards. They don't. No. No. They don't. They don't lay out proper standards. According to the standards they laid out for opening up schools, if schools actually adhere to them, and a lot of districts just didn't, they would not open until maybe next year. You know, and this this is just not rational. This is not reasonable. This is not a balanced approach. They're, they are not taking it. They, they, they refuse to acknowledge that there are trade-offs, that there are costs to these draconian policies. And that should infuriate people. People should vote based, of, you know, based on uh, people in government that can be trusted to make rational decisions. And these are people not making rational well, decisions. We don't want mayor, people to die. Our county judge. But when you make somebody close their business and now they can't pay the rent for their business, they have to let all their employees go. They now can't pay their mortgage at their house. They now don't have money to go and buy food for the family members that they have living in their home. I'm sorry, did you not think about this? <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. They pretend like it's secondary, they, you know, and they, 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 they pretend like it doesn't happen. No, but we don't want you to die yeah. from the virus. You or, know what, at this point, I'll take the virus. It's, it's just, they, 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 they pretend like there's nothing. They pretend like there's no trade-offs. So it, it, it's, it, they're, they're not the most caring and compassionate as they say they are. They are, they are, they are blind. They're blind to the trade-offs um, that exist. And it's very frustrating. So how has this campaign trail been going for you uh, around here in the Houston area, in your district? What are you, what are you fighting for out here? Well, listen, we, we've got to restore our economy. We've got to restore our way of life. That's primarily what people want. Um, you know, people would have answered that question differently in January of 2020, but uh, post-recession, post-COVID, people care about their healthcare and the economy. Um, and, you know, it, it, when the economy is doing well, the economy goes way down on people's lists as far as issues they care about. Uh, but these days, it's the economy. We got to have our jobs back. We want to protect our energy sector. Uh, the, the reality is, a vote for Democrats in this particular election is a vote to destroy our energy sector jobs. You know, in the Houston area alone, you have about one hundred twenty-five thousand jobs supported by the industry. 
Uh, when you're talking about no new permitting for oil and gas uh, and fracking, uh, that that's a problem. You know, it's already you're you're kicking an industry while it's down. And where is it you think you're going to get your oil and gas and electricity from? You know, th- this if is if you're this not is doing these things. The quest. This is the question that Democrats don't seem to have an answer for. Again, again, it's all about cost benefits, right? So you're, you so you destroy the American energy sector as they as they want to do, and they gleefully talk about this. You know, the only differences in policy on their side is is the timeline, right? It's it's yeah. that timeline of transition away from any kind of fossil fuels. But here's the reality: the demand for energy does not go down around the world just because they wish it did. Yeah. Okay, it still it's only exists. Going up. It's only going up Population by about 20, 25 percent at least increase in the next twenty years. So who's going to provide that energy? Then if it's not us, it's going to be other countries like Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia. And guess what? They provide that energy much in a much dirtier way than we do. You know, the natural gas from Russia uh, expends about 47% more carbon emissions on a life cycle basis than U.S. natural gas. That kind of matters, yeah. right? So if you care about the environment, this is a bad idea. Uh, if you care about our economy, it's a really bad idea. So two bad ideas don't make a good idea. Last time I checked, these make, bad, <laughs> these make double the bad ideas. And so, like, you know, supporting the U.S. energy sector is supporting the environment, because if we export more natural gas than then the same carbon emission reductions that we've had in the United States, we could replicate throughout the world. Natural yeah. gas is a solid, um, it's a really solid way to do that. Um, invest in nuclear, too. You know, there's, the left is obsessed with only one solution, and it's wind and solar. And that's fine. Like, let wind and solar compete on the market. But, there's, but you, can't, you can't pretend like these are perfect uh, solutions to, to, to clean energy. They're I mean, really they, not. They're you very, to, very space. You need a lot of space. You need a lot of space. Yeah, you've got to, yeah, you've got to mow down a whole lot of acres um, to, yeah. to impose, put these things. You have to, the, the, the industry and, and manufacturing capability to build solar panels. Plus and, the, uh, the, the wind blades are non-recyclable. Yeah, well, so we're, neither we're solar We're stacking panels. those things up, right? Right, now. and the rare earth mineral, um, you know, mining that has to occur. And then the lengthy transmission lines that it takes to actually get this energy out and how inefficient it is the longer a transmission line is. You're never going to get to the battery storage that they, you know, there, there's this claim of, if we just add like the best technology with batteries, that where are you going to get all this lithium? And where are you going to put these, in, even, even at the theoretical limit of how much you can store energy in a and battery? And how much impact does it have to it's, mine this it's, lithium? It's enormous. <laughs> like, it's enormous. I did the whole podcast with this with Michael Schellenberger. And like, you know, once you, once you start to lay out the facts on this, it's, it's a very prohibitive technology. It, it's, it's not giving you a lot of great energy. Um, it's not as good for the environment as they claim. So, you know, is it, is it part of the mix? Sure, let it be part of the mix, but it's, it's, it's going to have a pretty serious limit, right? You, you cannot power industry off of solar and wind. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't provide the megawatts necessary. And just for, for energy density reasons, for pure physical reasons, it is not an efficient source of energy. So, you know, if we're, if we really care about reliable energy plus clean energy, then you should be investing in nuclear. But the left, the left wants to eliminate that too. I mean, in the Green New Deal, it talks about eliminating nuclear. Why? Because it's extremely because, clean. It's because, it's, because it's not about clean energy <laughs> for them. It's, it's, nobody, it's understand, nobody it. understands it. Like, it's, that's the thing. You have one, you have one incident in Russia. Well, uh, in Russia. <laughs> well, for them, it's never been about the actual environment. I mean, I truly believe that. It, it, it's about control and it's about their favored solutions. It becomes an obsession with their favored solutions. And they, you know, and will rationalize that however, however they need to. 
And, you know, the, the Democrats are very good at doing what sounds good, right? What sounds good, on if, paper. If, if you think it's about it for a second. looking at like one day ahead. Yeah, it's, it's like, about, yeah. All you guys that I've met over the last couple of years, it's like, everybody is always like, hey, 10 years, 15 years, this is, this is what we're looking at. But the left side is just like, no, tomorrow. Yeah, no, short, tomorrow. Short-term thinking, the most extreme policies possible because it feels good, it feels the most bold, and it's like, I can run on this right now. You know, I can give you free healthcare and free education. Is there any consequences to that? No. We don't know. Yeah, like, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very irresponsible. And, um, you know, I, 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 I'm always imploring Americans, vote for, vote for responsible governance. This is, this is what you should want yeah. out of governance. It, it stays out of your way to the greatest extent possible and is responsible in its decision-making. The, <laughs> the healthcare thing almost gives me a headache because I like to say, like, anybody that's ever remodeled their house or tried to build something on their own property, when you go to the county or the government to apply for the permit, they get to decide mm-hmm. if you are allowed to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Well, you now want to give the government power for, hey, if you have this illness, the government decides... Is that cost effective for us to treat it or is this an acceptable loss? And and what's worse about so that's one like part who of it. would vote for that? Uh, a lot of people, apparently. <laughs> and you know, and, and that's so that you're talking about the triage effect, right? Yes. And like so in Great Britain, <laughs> they call this panel NICE. Like it's an acronym. It's N-I-C-E. N-I-C-E. I don't I don't know what it stands for, but it is it's almost like this Orwellian language uh, of of like it's the nice panel, but we decide what healthcare you're going to get. Yeah. And you've seen these stories come out um, in, in sort of nationalized healthcare systems. Um, the 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 main problem though is that Medicare for all is basically price controls, no. right? So because in order for it to even come close to the estimates that they say it's going to be at, which is still double or tripling your taxes, by the way, for it to even come close to those cost estimates. You, you've got to reimburse doctors at a rate of about 60 to 70% of their costs. So what does that do? What does that do when you say, like, if we put, if, if, if you want to sell a Black Rifle coffee, espresso can thing, you know, which, to, you know, because you want to compete with Red Bull, because, you know, because I don't, so you didn't bring any for me. So I have to, so I had some Red Bull. Evan, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should have brought some for me, I, um, but but if you want to sell that at five bucks a pop, and that's how that's how you're going to grow your business, that's what you decide the market will bear. And the government's like, well, you can sell for one dollar. What are you going to do? You're going to probably cut costs somehow. So you're going to hire less people. You're going to have less manufacturing. You're just you're just going to have less. That's what happens when you put in price controls. You get less supply, or you just put the place out of business. Maybe you same can't thing even- with hiking this. Economics works the same way with saying everybody needs $15 for minimum wage. Okay, exactly. how many businesses go, we'll replace them with a machine? Right. Yeah, it, you, your budget hasn't changed, right? That, that's, <laughs> that's the key insight there. Budget hasn't changed. And so price controls work the same way. So you're going to get longer lines because you're going to have less doctors. You're going to have less capacity in hospitals. They're going to cut costs. A lot of these independent clinics will just shut down. There's I know be because fixed, I've asked. There's going to be a fixated salary on doctors at that point. So yeah, who's yeah, going to want to be in, right? Who's going to want to spend that money on med school when they can do the calculations in the beginning? Going, oh, this is going to take twelve years to mm-hmm. pay back. Yeah, they're oh. not going to do it. You're not. You're going to get less. You're going to less of that. Yeah, and for for all of those reasons, and so you also get less innovation. So you if. if this is why the comparison to say like firefighters isn't correct. Okay, so a lot of people are like, well, look, we do firefighting. Like, why can't we like, we're like, that's a it public service. It doesn't cost you a, 
half a million dollars to become a firefighter. Let's start with that. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's apples and oranges for a lot of reasons. Okay. Like the, the, but, but but the reason I'm getting at is that the service itself is very simple, right? So a firefighting service is highly, it's simple. There's one thing it does, it puts out a fire. Also, there's no, there's no private sector that needs to innovate. Like, like we're, we're not looking for new ways to firefight. There's, there's basically just a way to fight a fire. And that's not going to change a whole lot. Healthcare is not that way. Medicine um, in you're general. Right. Yeah, like there, first of all, it's not single point of service the way a fire is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like it's, there's, there's long-term service, there's different types of services, different specialties, but also we need to innovate. And so when you, when you, when you stop putting any money into the system, except the bare minimum, well, then you're just going to get the bare minimum. You're not, no company will invest billions of dollars necessary to develop that new drug. Because they know that they'll never make it back. They'll never the make it back. There's no there. point. There's, there's yeah. no incentives whatsoever. So you're not getting better treatments. You're not getting, you're not getting, you're not getting treatments. Right. All the innovation left Europe, as, as, as countries socialize their medicine, innovation leaves. That's, that's always been what's happened. They have access to a lot less drugs uh, than we do. No, we, we pay for it. I mean, like the, our healthcare system is not perfect. We need to reduce costs. Um, but you re- the only forces that reduce costs while maintaining quality are free market forces. And so you have to have a mix of that. I'm not saying the free market, I'm not libertarian. I'm not saying the healthcare is purely free market because you do, because you do have an interest in, in subsidizing those who truly can't afford it, even if we do get costs low. You know, I recognize that. So there's a safety net mechanism that has to occur. But there's much, but, you, but there's much smarter ways to go about it. So that was a long tangent. These, on yeah, what but we're, these real conversations don't happen. Like we have to sit down and watch these debates, and they go, "This complex health problem we have in the United States, you have sixty seconds go." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you better health care. No, I'm going to give you better health care. I mean, why? Like, I don't know. I, I've seen this point brought up recently. It's like all the questions that all the senators are asking Amy Comey Barrett right now, why aren't we doing that with our presidential candidates? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> like, point. Like, that's a good we, point. <laughs> we messed up in our system somewhere. Yeah. Like, and we should fix that. Like, hey, let's sit them in the seat right. rather than getting sound by after sound by after tiny clip and say, okay, you're in the seat for five days. You're going to answer all these questions and you have unlimited time. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, you know, and I don't know what the right way is to do it because how you can get people to watch it. Um, it, you know, I don't, I don't know. And I, 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 I just know that, that people need to be more curious about what their politicians stand for. That's why we do a podcast. So like, I mean, I'll go into lengthy detail on healthcare policy. On my people podcast. need to be more curious where their money is going yeah. and what their money is doing. Right. And then right. what that, what does that vote mean right. for you? When it comes down to your property, your health, and your money. That's the thing. Like, uh, you know, conservatives always ask me, like, when is government going to get more accountable? And I'm like, well, the people have to want it to be. Yeah. Th- th- that's the reality. Because right now there's massive amounts of people voting uh, that are voting for higher taxes. And they're not asking the government to be accountable for I it. I think we've also been that, told. Because that, that, that's what a vote for Democrats means. There's <laughs> a number of people that have committed actual crimes and nothing happens. Because the people yeah. go, oh, I mean, that's, it's okay. That's what's that's happening. Rumor. It's happening right now. It's happening in Houston constantly. Um, I just met with some police officers uh, two days ago. They tell me at, on at least 62 occasions this year, um, because of the bail reform that's been instituted by this by this county, by this new leadership and county judge and district attorney, uh, where you know bail reform meaning you can you basically don't even have to post bail. Just just leave. You're you're done. We're not even, you're, where we hope you come back. We hope, we'll see after you that later. violent crime. Yeah. 
So on at least 62 occasions, they've re-offended in a violent way. So that's 62 violent offenses. That could have been prevented. That could have been prevented. And guess where those primarily happen? They primarily happen against minority populations, right? They're not happening in the nice suburban white neighborhoods or the, or the, or the, or the kind-hearted liberals that live so in some of these neighborhoods. So why isn't the They're DA not, and the judge being held accountable for this? <laughs> people don't. <laughs> people don't just care. don't. People have to wake up to this. Yeah. I mean, people have to know what's going no, on. No, I want to yell at the guy care. in a uniform on the corner of the cop. Right, no, right. no, yeah, they want to blame the police. It's not his fault. They want to blame the police, and it's um, it's we just, haven't seen a single mayor, a single DA, a single judge face any sort of repercussions. I mean, look at the mayor of Portland is responsible for yeah. for the 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 injury of of dozens of federal officers. Mm-hmm. Why isn't this guy being freaking indicted? It, it's it's insane. I mean, well, not just that, but like the the failure of downtown Portland, like the the failure of many businesses, the the, the harm done. I mean, to I think people, people of Portland pissed off. Like they keep blaming this these kidnapping foils up in Michigan on. Oh, this is Trump's fault. It's like, no, you're pissing everyone off now. You're yeah. just going to keep seeing this happening. Well, they, they didn't like to point out that the, one of those guys in that kidnapping plot was a BLM supporter. No, you know? they won't <laughs> say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was at a BLM rally. But, you know, either way, yeah, like you're you're, you're driving people to the point of insanity yeah. to where, you know, and, and it's America's got to hold these people accountable. Um, because and, we're not. And, and I'm worried that they're not. I'm worried that they're not. I mean, you know, people yeah. need to know right now. A lot of your listeners are in Texas. Democrats are out in droves voting right now. They're uh, they make up the, the majority of people voting early at the moment. And uh, they're they're not switching their vote. These you know, so we know Democrat primary voters when they're voting. That's that's the data we get back. Um, they're not they're not voting Republican. Just so you know, they're not they're not they holding anybody accountable. They haven't switched yet. No, they're not going to. Uh, so you got to get out and vote. I mean, you know, there's what well, the Democrats' big plan is is to take the Texas state rep, uh, takes the state house back. You only need nine seats to do that. It's very vulnerable. It's hard for these state reps to get out and campaign and to get well-known, to raise money. So it is so important that you go vote down ballot. Uh, Texas works for a reason. There's a reason that so many companies like yours and and uh, people are flocking to Texas because there are certain responsible policies that actually work. And it's a very simple. The formula is not hard. Right? Give people more freedom, not less. Uh, you know, take an emphasis on border security and safe communities, reducing crime, following the law, um, again, reduce taxes, reduce regulation, number one business environment for, for companies in America. You compare that to California, uh, they do everything the opposite and they have worse outcomes as a result. Yeah, but you have all these people fleeing these places and then coming here and voting the same way. I don't know if that's happening or not. Yeah. Um, they just don't know that in Cruz's election, the data indicated that it was native-born Texans who were voting Democrat really? more against Cruz than. So you don't think, Beto. like, if, when we do, even if we, if they did flip, and they took the House and then pulled their same garbage that they pulled in places like California, you think then Texas would wake up and go, "Oh no, we ain't doing this." Uh, possibly. I mean, it, Texas voters, I think, are are inherently center right because if you sit down on policy issues with them. They're, you know, your suburban voters are going to be center right, but they're angry at the president. And so they, they're just, it's, it's a, it's a little bit reactive at the moment, I think. Um, so that's what we're seeing. And that's, that's why we got to get out and vote. I mean, like, that's why we don't take anything for granted in this election. Uh, just because I know that a majority of people agree with Republicans on things doesn't mean they're voting Republican. Okay. Now, 
and I, I, it's hard to explain why that is, but but it is. Some people just vote on personality of of the the guy they want in charge. So um, you got to get out and vote because these. But what what happens at, if if Democrats take back the state house is they'll redistrict a lot of us out of you know make it impossible for me to win again. Really, that redistricting happens next year. So th- this is this is their plan. Um, and Same thing they're trying to pull with DC becoming right. a state. And yeah, the, the, exactly. It's more power, sense. right? The, the, the yeah. Democrats operate on two channels. It's their utopian outcomes that they kind of say they believe in, but but really what they care about is the power. Yeah. And so and so changing the institutions themselves to maintain power that's their real goal. That's what they're really excited about. And that's why they open the fact that they can openly advocate for this stuff and get elected. The fact that America is sleepwalking into an authoritarian regime is mind-blowing to me. It's mind-blowing. Like, why do you hate your freedom so much? Why do you why do you why are you clamoring to give more of your hard-earned money to the government so that they can spend it on things that they that they'll <laughs> I don't know, whatever whimsical idea they have at that moment, because these are not these out these the way they govern is not based on on universal principles. It's not based on founding on our on our founding principles. It's it's based on whatever's popular in the progressive left. Well, they want to get moment. rid of amendments. Yeah, they don't even like it. them. They don't like them. Yeah, yeah. They don't <laughs> like this whole notion that you can't infringe on people's rights. They don't like it. They feel it gets in their way. Oh yeah, it gets in the way of their utopia and their and their need to change human nature fundamentally into their kind of utopian thinking. It's very problematic. Yeah. And you said uh, we were talking earlier about. The uh, Biden campaign has completely stayed away from the gun debate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do you think? You just think it's a death sentence for them? Yeah, well, I think they've noticed the obvious, which is uh, gun purchases have gone up dramatically. Um, people have seen that. that Not just from our side either. No, yeah, it's a lot of first-time gun buyers because um, like, there's no need for me to go buy a gun this year, right? I already have my guns. I, why would I go? You know, I might maybe purchase some extra ammo, but like a good Texan, you already had ammo. Yeah. So, um, so these are first time gun buyers and there's a reason for that, right? People don't feel safe in their communities. It's become obvious. Yeah, that security is for the first time in a lot of people's lives in 2020, security wasn't absolute. Right. It's, it's incumbent on you. You better take care of yourself because the cops have been vilified. They won't come. They've anymore. been defunded. They have. Yeah. They're, they're overwhelmed, they're understaffed, they're right. fed up. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's understandable. So now they, they yeah, it's, it is noticeable how they've not put that front and center at all. <laughs> um, probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, I, I definitely had noticed such an uptick in a lot of left-leaning friends starting to ask gun advice as soon as yeah. some of the, the lockdowns started back in May, April, May, and everything like, hey, what do, what do, what do I need? You're asking now? Yeah. <laughs> and then the astonishment when they realized what it took to buy one. Yeah. That was a funny one. There, so there are background checks. Yes, there's, <laughs> there's always been background checks. There's no loophole like you've been told. This has always been a lie. Um, but yeah, it's, it is astonishing. Um, so you and I worked on a commercial recently. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? You did okay. All right, good. All right. Yeah, that yeah. yeah, was awesome, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, for so our timeline, to... for our timeline, that was that was we had a very very tight turnaround. Yeah, uh, to get that movie. So we did it all, and people don't realize, um, you know, people think it costs like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Didn't at all. Um, I think we we fundraised about twenty times what we paid for it. Yeah. Um, 
and it took us a day. I mean, 24 hours. One day. 24 hours it was, it was done. One day of shooting, and then the jump was segmented yeah. on a separate day, and that was it. And it, yeah. was, it was down to efficiency and how do we, like, again, we were fighting time. Like, yeah. You were like, we need this out by this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. People loved it. People we need to do it. more. Like, yeah, I'm excited. Like, oh, we, well, we can take that theme and run with it. It's, there's so many other candidates. I wish we thought of it like a year ago. So that we could have had a whole series and by then planning now. and stuff like yeah. that. I hope to do. I hope. I hope we get to do it next year. Like, get into Florida, so California cool. reloaded, Florida reloaded, and stuff like that. So and just tease it, tease it out to people. So, how's the reception been getting out there with your district and stuff like that? Meeting people face to face. Are they, are they fed up now? Or are they, you know, this, is this kind of solidifying them in this race? I mean, the coronavirus is still front and center in people's mm-hmm. minds and, you know, people fall on interesting sides of it. it. It does tend to be the more conservative you are, the more likely you're, you are to, to not be afraid of it. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a really interesting psychological discussion as to why this fell on party lines. Like, you know, whether it's, whether it's conversation about lockdowns versus no lockdowns or general risk assessment or ge- general risk tolerance is much higher with a conservative than it is with a liberal. Why is that? I mean, I don't know. I do know that the data would also demonstrate that if you're more likely to take a riskier job, if you're conservative, you're more likely to be a lumberjack or a cop or a military member, whatever it is, you're just more likely to take physical well, we're risks. used to risk assessment. That's well, a normal thing for us. In the military, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but what's interesting is that this also correlates with political leanings. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's just, weird. that's just, never thought of that. it's in the data. You know, I don't, you know, we, we do, we do assess risk differently. Our brains light up differently. There's been interesting studies on this and it's pretty clear. The other thing too is, you know, from a dispositional standpoint, we just, we have very different views of what government's role is. Uh, the left is much more likely to say that the government should take all and any action to keep you perfectly safe. We as conservatives are much more likely to say, yeah, but no. even, but even that, they don't. So you just you just said that that the government has the right to take any and all actions to make sure you're safe. Yeah. Yet and yet, yeah. Now we, we have <laughs> defunded the police. We've castigated any the, the president or any governor that has dispatched federal agents yeah. to try and stop these riots and everything like that. So I'm sorry, <laughs> we're getting back to that point well, they, where they, they contradict they, each they, other. They say we want we want this. But no, they don't want that. It, it, this is the it's problem. Circumstantial. Well, this is this is the problem with with a total lack of of governing principles on the left. There are no governing principles on the left. They have goals. They have outcomes that they want. But there are no governing principles, which is why it's so easy to find those contradictions. Mm-hmm. You know. So and, and and so they would because if if they if you presented that to them, what they would say is no. The the whole point of those protests is to protect people. Because we're keeping this community safe from police, so like that—that's how they would say it. Um, you know, that's how they would rationalize it. I think, but but overall, I mean, we we definitely can't agree that they're from a dispositional standpoint. The left is more likely to say the more government control, the better for your own good. You know, and let's let's for a, your own yeah, good. and let's assume it's super well intentioned. They're just much more comfortable with the government telling you what to do. Um, they, they, they enjoy living as a collective that makes them feel like it's unifying. What we try to remind them of constantly is it's not unifying to tell other people what to do. Like that's actually divisive. You know, I know you wish you were in this environment and this reality where everybody believed the exact same thing and had the exact same preferences. 
This is sort of the utopia that they believe in. This is why social, this is why it gets to socialism and communism where everybody must be for the party. Uh, but this isn't, this isn't a recipe for good, right? This is a recipe for disaster. It always ends in disaster every single time. We're seeing it. It, it, it means tyranny. It means divisiveness. It means 51% of the population beating the other 49% over the head. This is, this is not good, right? This is why we have a republic with checks and balances and rights that can't be infringed upon. All right, that's that's the whole point. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Well, as you know, we have a lot of uh, a lot of Texas natives that uh, watch the show and stuff like that. So, what do you want to tell them about about this election, about things that are coming up in their areas, and things yeah. that, that that you want? Everything's on the line. You got to vote down ballot. Uh, we don't have straight ticket voting anymore, which is a good thing. But it doesn't mean you got to put that extra work in. Go down ballot and get your state reps, uh, get your judges, uh, your district attorneys. Pay I attention mean, to the judges and the DAs. This is this is so important because I mean th- these are these are not just hey it's one well qualified judge versus another well qualified judge. That's not what's happening here. You have two different philosophies on what the judiciary is even supposed to do. You have to vote Republican because all that really means not not that they're going to advocate for Republican policies. That's not what a, re- a Republican judge does. They just follow the law. Right, just follow the law and 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 and, and use uh, interpret the law to the letter correctly. Um, the left tends to believe that the judiciary is meant to legislate, is meant to be a super legislature. We were seeing that in the hearings this week with Amy Coney Barrett. I don't have to beat this dead horse. But you got to vote down ballot, and you you know you've you've got to go out and talk to your friends. Um, you've got to ask people. And really have those debates. I mean, you leave know, the bubble. Yeah, just that's like what, that's what I've been you know, doing. The last look, few look weeks at the is... policy platforms and think like, well, what is, what is better for your life? Uh, and you, you cannot believe the stuff that's coming out of uh, the Democrats. I've been trying. So I've been trying to leave the bubble because nothing is ever solved, or there's no understanding when everyone that you surround mm. yourself with agrees with you all the time. Yeah. But I haven't found any shred of good information outside that bubble. Every time I ask, I'm trying to understand what is yeah. it that you want? Like even, you know, I have a guy that I know that's a, a he's a blatant Antifa member, mm-hmm. you know, a, a filmmaker that I used to be friends with back in the day. And I, I engage with him. And when I can get him into a conversation where I go, okay, do we agree on, we don't want to pay more when it comes to being taxed? Here's our, here's our current taxes. We, yeah. Do we both agree on this? Well, yes. Okay, do we agree that we want security and safety? Do we agree we want people to be able to, to practice whatever faith they believe in? Like, it's yes all down the board. I'm like, but do you, do you see where some of these are falling in line where you're backing up? They, don't, they aren't okay with this. So it's like when I can get somebody to start lining out what they're... Yeah. they're everybody generally falls into the same like docket. They all, yeah. they all don't want to pay give up more of their money. They right. don't want to give up more of their freedom. They don't want to be told how much gas they can buy every month and things like that. But it's like, they're not thinking about this. It's very confusing. I, I think they have they have built this sort of villain-esque caricature of conservatives. So they, 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 the left tends to assign intentions to us in a very erratic way. That, that it's like they are the kings of building straw man arguments about what conservatives actually believe. Propaganda. Yeah, and it's it's very strange. And I, do we do it to them sometimes? I mean, probably, but I think through it pretty closely. And I'm always and I'm always waiting to be surprised as as, as you're describing. You have those conversations. I'm always waiting to be surprised by what they might say. Like, okay, maybe you're just going to give me an insight 
and a way of thinking about this that I just haven't seen before. And then they don't, you know, and I, and I would do this at Harvard all the time, right? So this is, I was at a policy master's program. So, and I'm like one of the only, one of the only Republicans there. So <laughs> I'm constantly being fed the Democrat side and I'm just waiting to be surprised. I'm waiting to, to hear that, that insight that I just oh, didn't I kind think, of agree with Yeah, that. like, oh, okay, so that's how you think about this. But then, but then there's nothing, um, or at least there's nothing that I haven't heard before. And so, you know... I, I, I this this is this is again I I I think a, there's a healthy balance between the left and the right. The left points out problems that the left the right might be inclined to ignore. Mm-hmm. Okay, because the right is, is is just more likely to have an appreciation for tradition and structures and institutions um, that have worked for a very long time, and we're reluctant to just radically change those. Um, it does it does it does imply that we might have blind spots to, to problems or injustices. And so having a more liberal sentiment in society is a healthy balance. But when you, but the problem is, is that liberal sentiment comes with no governing principles, right? And governing principles are important when it comes to solving the problems. And that balance has to be maintained. And I think that balance is very, very out of whack on the Democratic Well, I think Party. both people as a whole needs to change their way of thinking and going into some of these things. Whereas like, you can't come in saying you're never going to change my mind. That's just not, Mm -hmm. it's not healthy. It's not, you're, you're not going to fix anything at that point. Like, because I have uh, engaging in all this, all all these common or uh, comments and commentary and stuff in the last few weeks, I'm not in there saying I'm right. Present me a reasonable argument. But the thing is, is you can't keep them on track. No, because no. they like they will loop around and it's a very oh, yeah. Well, everybody be- has that because he called me a meaning, he, or he was mean to this person. It's like yeah, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, they we're jump, talking about they a jump, policy. They that jump they from had. thing to thing. That doesn't like, matter what name he called somebody else. We're talking about this policy right here. This is what one side says. This is what the other. Which one do you align with? And then you can't even that, answer that. That's that always how that conversation goes. It's do like you, whack-a-mole. Do you have any Democrat friends on the Hill at all that you? Go back and forth with, or yeah, I mean, is yeah, but, but um, any that has ever presented anything that made you go, oh, wow. well, the, the people, ironically, the people that I, the only people that I believe, um, you can have that like honest, like focused conversation with, uh, are two people that are leaving Congress, Joe Kennedy, uh, and Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard, and, and these yeah. are not these are not moderate people. Like just to be, you know, Tul- Tulsi's. Uh, She's got a great following on the right, and for good reason. She just kind of like takes it to Democrats. But you know, but there's very little on a policy spectrum that we agree on. And Joe Kennedy is very liberal. Um, But these are two people who who will at least like have that without without frantically moving from thing to thing. You know, like they're gonna they're gonna confront what you said. That's really important, and that just that just happens so rarely. And you should catch yourself. You know, if you find yourself even as a conservative arguing that way. You know, jump, you know, once, once you don't like the direction of a conversation, jumping to a, well, you're also bad people, you know, like, <laughs> that's not what we're talking, that's not the point, no, no, though. No. We, were, you know? we, were, we were right here, and yeah. now you've yeah, got us just, over here it's, in it's, left field. It's lazy thinking, and, you know, and if, and if you just have to shrug and be like, you know what, I don't know, I got to look into this more, because that's, that's perfectly honorable. Well, now that you mentioned her, I've got to ask you this. So we're losing Tulsi, and Tulsi was one of our, our biggest advocates of uh, keeping the A-10. Are you going to jump on that with us now? You know, it's close to my heart. Yeah. As a JTAC. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get rid of it. 
Yeah, I didn't, know, I didn't know she was involved in that. Yes, discussion. she was. She I'll was actually one of the main people that saved the A10 for the I love Air Force, it. I love uh, it. along with the, a number of others. And you know, my main focus right now is getting uh, Space Force to use Navy ranks. Yes, it's, yes. It's, Talk about that, please. Confronting some opposition. Give us, give us, give us, give us the spiel so, on it. Because so I we love managed it. to get an amendment through out of the House and the NDAA that would require Space Force to use Navy ranks I love for it. obvious reasons. Yeah. Right? America expects its Space Force to. Um, to be have, have a navy esque uh, culture to it, um, you know our pop culture is They're indicative ships. of that. Their space force will have ships. They're and gonna the Air have Force ships. doesn't have ships. They're going to have a fleet, a captain. There's going to be a captain of the captain, ship. Captain, right? And um, so you know, it, it also space force needs some cultural independence from the Air Force, the way the Marine Corps has cultural independence from the Navy. Yeah, uh, I think that's important, and it allows them to grow into their own in a way. And, and again, America, I think, expects it on a cultural level. So. Uh, we're going to make that happen. Uh, it's still still being uh, debated in circles in the Senate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need yeah, to, yeah, to get people to to you need you need to you need to pressure senators who are in the Armed Services Committee mm -hmm. in the Senate. Get them to do this. Get so them we need to, to support it. Tweet at them. Tweet at them. Get yes. on Facebook. Navy rank for Space Force. Navy rank. But you said we're gonna you're gonna change a few of the enlisted ranks because we don't yeah. need seamen. You don't space need seamen in yeah. space. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that was an oversight on us. Spaceman. Can to, we be spacemen? Uh, I want to leave it up to the Air Force, frankly. <laughs> to, you know, they, give them some insight. Yeah, yeah, into yeah. This. Like they'll, they'll allow some flexibility on the enlisted ranks, but I don't think. Yeah, but I think the officer rank should. should the officer ranks are pretty good. Be, be the way yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. I like that. This is this is hilarious. Yeah, when you told me this. I was like, William Shatner got on board. Uh, <laughs> he didn't even know we passed the amendment, but he, he just started writing about it and tweeting about it. And I was like, <laughs> I got you, bro. That is great. Well, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to add? Your book doing That's good. It. Oh, uh, book's doing good. Buy, yeah. buy the book. Could do better if people would buy two. more of it. Buy Four more of it. It's been uh, hailed by uh, many as the greatest book of the year. Of the year, I, yeah. I, I, isn't that what you said? I heard it was the greatest book of the century. Of the century, I go with one hundreds. I'm, I'm a metric system yeah. kind of guy. Well, you're you thinking know? big. Yeah, I measure you're things in kilograms, big, not inches. Big thinker. <laughs> <laughs> and people can follow you on Instagram at just yeah. Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw TX awesome. on Twitter, Instagram. You know, just Dan Crenshaw on anything. Find it. Just find Google it. it. Just, just Google. Just it. do the Google. Well, thanks for joining us on Free Range American. Appreciate we'll it, brother. We'll have you back again. Take care.